The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. I heard something really wonderful from the writer T. Jefferson Parker, who's a, who's a dear friend of mine, many years, and, and he was speaking at a conference, and he said, when, he said, when your story stalls out on you, you've played your hand too soon. And uh, that, is, uh, that is invariably what, what gets me into trouble, is playing my hand too soon. And then to solve the problem, it involves really going back into the previous scenes to see what it was that I gave away. Hey, welcome back to The Writer Files. This is your grateful host, Kelton Reed, wishing you more pages, patience, and perseverance per usual. New York Times bestselling and award-winning novelist Elizabeth George spoke to me about her exacting research, the discipline of psychological suspense, and interweaving cultural issues into her latest, Something to Hide. Dubbed an essential writer of popular fiction today, Elizabeth is the recipient of the Anthony Award, the Agatha Award, Francis Grand Prix, and has been twice nominated for the Edgar. She's best known as the author of the Lindley Mystery Series that was adapted into the lauded PBS BBC show, The Inspector Lindley Mystery Series, currently streaming on Amazon Prime and others. Her latest, Something to Hide, a Lindley novel, marks the 21st in that series. The New York Times Review called it another intelligent, intricate mystery starring Detective Inspector Thomas Lindley of New Scotland Yard. Elizabeth is also a philanthropist who, through the Elizabeth George Foundation, makes grants to writers and organizations benefiting disadvantaged youth, particularly in the area of the arts. In this file, Elizabeth and I discussed why she approaches the writing craft with the same discipline and perseverance she had as a teacher, how to structure a mystery layer by layer, understanding the editorial process and learning to be a more efficient writer, the foundation of any great novel, her secret hacks, and a lot more. Stay calm and write on. And don't forget, you can always support this show by heading to writerfiles.fm, where you can also sign up for email updates, get links to merch, and other resources for writers. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published and drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in to help other writers find us. Yes, we are back on The Writer Files, and I am thrilled today 
to be joined by the best-selling and award-winning author, Elizabeth George. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I know you're uh, a busy author these days, but uh, how are you surviving there? Okay. Um, I'm working on another novel right now, and uh, otherwise, mostly in Seattle, we're kind of hunkered down, not only because of the Omicron variant, but uh, the weather has not been particularly good recently. So, so it's nice to have books to read in situations like this. 100%. And um, yeah, I think this uh, recent, well, I shouldn't say recent, but the effects of global weirding, as it may be, has turned, uh, I understand my brother lives in Seattle, so um, mm. you know, you're, you're seeing some like snows there that are kind of unprecedented, aren't you? Um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, is, it snowed before in, uh, in Seattle. Um, but but outside of Seattle, in the in the mountains, they have 122 percent of their usual snowfall for the entire winter. So yeah, we've been having a uh, a big winter here. Very interesting. From fires to to uh, unprecedented snowfall, uh, it certainly is an interesting time to be alive. But yeah. uh, we are we are here to talk about your latest something to hide, a Lindley novel, and I can't wait to dig into your writing process because you've you've essentially written the book on how to write um, a novel. But let's start out with just kind of the cliff notes of your um, origin story because we talk to authors about kind of their superhero origins. Now that you you've become this uh, household name and, and a best selling fictionist. Talk a little bit about kind of the the just the seeds and the origin of, of that aha moment when you realized like this this is something that that you were going to make a uh, a career doing. Well, um, you know, I have always written, and I have always really loved writing, but I never really considered that uh, that one could do this as a as a career. I had no idea really um, how you know how you went about getting published at all. Um, and so initially, what I when I first when I started writing really seriously, which was when I started writing British crime novels, um, the 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 main thing was for me was that I I hoped that I would somehow be able to make enough money at it that I could uh, it could uh, quit my teaching job. Not because I didn't like teaching, I I liked teaching very much, but because I really believed and more and more come to to realize that I was supposed to be writing really meant meant to write so with my first contract I uh, I did immediately uh, have enough funds from that first contract to uh, to to at least go another year and then I wrote another book during that time and then when I wrote my second my third book and they had I it was already under contract the third book and the fourth book. In that point, I realized, oh, okay, you know, th- I can do this professionally, and so that was sort of how it went. It took a couple of years, but hmm. um, I saw that it was going to be possible. Yeah, yeah. And since then, you've uh, hit number one on the New York Times bestsellers list. You know, you've had just this incredible run of success. Sold millions of books, won um, quite a few awards, and been honored. Um, as well as had a, a hit TV show uh, kind of spring out of this uh, Lindley series that's 
also garnered rave reviews. How does it feel now that you're kind of on the other side of it? And, you know, I, I, we can talk about the philanthropy piece uh, kind of down the road. But yeah, what, what does it feel like now with something to hide? Um, your baby just uh, kind of landing as the 21st in this psychological suspense series. Well, you know, the reality is is that because I uh, I work so much, it really hasn't changed my my life in in as far as the time that I have. It certainly has in my uh, has changed my life in my ability to you know do more traveling than I would have been able to do, and certainly has changed my life in that I have met really really wonderful people both uh, both fellow writers and just pe- and people who are readers so so that part is different but i approach writing a novel just exactly the same way that i approached my career as a teacher which is uh you know i just i just did it i don't know if that makes any sense i love doing it but uh, but it's and it's never it's never a chore um, but the main thing about it is, you know, I've really learned how persistent and self-disciplined, you know, one human being could be. That is like me. Uh, so, so that has has really changed. Um, I, I have, you know, the one thing is, uh, I have very little free time as as a result because not only am I writing, but I am. Um, uh, studying Italian and uh, you know and running a foundation and so I pretty much don't have any free time except well maybe on the on the weekends I have a few hours that I you know that are just like R and R. And that organization is the Elizabeth George Foundation, um, which has a pretty inspiring uh, mission to really to help uh, benefit disadvantaged youth, right, particularly in the areas of the arts, but. What I found fascinating was that you, you do mention uh, young people aging out of the foster care system, which I think is really uh, kind of probably an underserved um, group there, right? Right. I think it's an underserved group probably across the whole country. Yeah, I, I um, wanted to be able to provide scholarships for, um, for young people who aged out of the, uh, the um, foster care system in the country and who also wanted to go to college. As a res, uh, you know, as a result, so uh, so that's been a that's been a great pleasure. We we support one one organization in particular, the Orange Orangewood Foundation in Southern California, which is where I used to live. Yeah. Well, uh, we're here to talk about something to hide, and of course, uh, this is the twenty first in the uh, Thomas and Lee mystery series, and uh, it's been getting some pretty great reviews. And I want to talk about kind of the process that went into this one, because I understand, you know, you undertake a, a pretty unique uh, research process, as most uh, psychological thriller writers do. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about the difference between Something to Hide and some of your previous in the series? Um, well, the, the manner in which I do the research is, is pretty much the same every time I, I do a book. And uh, and that always begins with a, a lot of a lot of reading, and uh, in that reading, I am looking for uh, locations where I might want to set a novel, and I also am reading up on whatever subject matter that I am going to be investigating in the book as well. 
because the thing about um, something to hide and really all of my books is that they're 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 operating on more than one level. The one level is the the crime in the investigation and the uh, and the arrest of the guilty party, and the other level is the, uh, the is a level of social issues or cultural issues or uh, some some traditional activities as well. And uh, and I and so so the location research is the the easiest to do, obviously, because the locations are there. Once I have isolated them and know that I need to go see them, they are all there. But the social issues are are what need to be explored. And sometimes I do that through interviews. Sometimes I do that through reading. Um, do a lot of work on the internet to see what has been written about it about it in uh, in newspapers or magazines or scholarly papers and uh, and I would think I, I think that for this particular book with this the subject matter is um, is I think I think the really the first time that I have uh, taken on a particular subject that is, uh, culturally sensitive to a a group of people at the same time as it is being pursued for legal reasons by other groups of people. Mm-hmm. So I haven't done that before, and I think that is largely what makes something to hide uh, a little bit different from my other books. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I just want to take a quick break for my podcast recommendation for this week. Have you run out of interesting things to say to friends when you actually get to see them? Then take a listen to the Book Dreams podcast. Each week, co-hosts Julie Sternberg and Eve Yohalem use books to explore fascinating questions like what happened when a Harvard professor staked her reputation on an alleged gospel of Jesus's wife that turned out to be fake? How did debut author Tom Lynn save the American Western by blowing it to bits? Are pigeons rats with wings or wonder birds? And what's the who, when, where, how, and especially why of books bound in human skin? Recent and upcoming Book Dreams highlights include conversations with Disha Filia, award-winning author of The Secret Lives of Church Ladies, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Catherine Schultz, and neuroscientist and dreams researcher Siddhartha Ribeiro. You can subscribe and listen to Book Dreams wherever you get your podcasts. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. 
I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. I thought what the Wall Street Journal um, said about you is cool. Um, they said uh, it deserves repeating from suspense to social commentary, from violence to, to pathos, uh, from villainy to possible redemption. Miss George can do it all with style. That was pretty cool. That's nice. <laughs> Congra- <laughs> congratulations uh, on the latest. And uh, yeah, let's talk some about your process. And, you know, I mean, it must, I, I know you've, talked about this at length but you know with a long-running and beloved series like the Lindley series how how do you you know continue to challenge yourself and then also how are you uh finding ways to stay uh so prolific the um the you know the process that I use is one that I developed over time and I think that most people who are engaged in uh an artistic endeavor end up doing this, whether it is uh, sort of like uh, in, in writing, whether it's by, you know, writing by the seat of your pants, which my students and I <laughs> call pantsing it, or, uh-huh. or whether it, the writing um, emerges from a, from a process that you have developed that, that works for you. And uh, so very early in my, in my writing career, I realized based on editorial, my first two editorial letters, what I needed to do to improve my books so that I would not be in a position of having to do massive um, editorial work or, um, on, a, on a successive draft of the book. And uh, in, in order to do that, I just sort of analyzed what the, what the editor was telling me. And my first, uh, my first editorial letter was nine pages long with 22 paragraphs and uh, the paragraphs had nothing but questions in them. And somehow I had to figure out how a way to uh, address these questions within the novel, you know, answer those questions. So when I did that, it, it lengthened the novel by about a hundred pages, as I recall. And it also, you know, was a, it was a long process. And I realized that I just, I didn't want to have to do that again. Uh, and so I began with, uh, you know, deciding that she, most of the questions that my editor asked was about character. So why not begin uh, creating characters in advance of the story so that I know pretty much every single thing about this character and that will then be reflected in, in the character's behavior and in the character's uh, dialogue in, mm. in the novel. So, uh, so having done that, my uh, the next editorial letter I got was two pages and nine paragraphs, mm. and I could see from that editorial letter that it had mostly to do with setting. And so I thought, okay, so that's really where I need what I need to work on next. I've never had a problem 
uh, with plot. I've, my editor's always been, you know, fine with the plot. These additional items that needed to be worked on. So, uh, so then for the third novel, I actually created the setting in advance, a British um, boarding school, and uh, create, and then did everything else that I had been doing pre- prior to that for for these for the second novel. In other words, I uh, also included a you know doing character analyses, but to do the British boarding school, I actually created my own British boarding school, complete with prospectus to send out to the parents. So <laughs> I I pretty much knew everything there was to know about this particular boarding school, and uh, and and in order to do that, I uh, went to England and visited British boarding schools, uh, six of them, and that sort of allowed me to see you know kind of what the system is like. So, uh, so essentially, I am following that same um, that same process uh, throughout my work. I, there was no change in the process when I did the uh, did something to hide. Uh, it, it takes place in London, and I began by doing the same kind of location research that I do when I'm out in the countryside. And uh, conducting interviews, also taking many, many photographs, writing up my notes at night, uh, typing them into my computer, same, you know, sort of the same thing that I've done from the beginning. Hmm. Hmm. Have you ever run up against any kind of, uh, because it sounds like you've gotten to a pro- into a process now where you can get into flow state pretty easily. Have you ever run up against any type of block or any type of, um, you know, just uh, lulls in your, in your creative output? Um, yeah, sure. I think everybody everybody does. Everybody, I think, has has some some part of the the process of writing that is challenging for them. Um, and for me, the challenging part has always been um, the, what I call the step outline. And um, you know, when I when I write a book, I don't just sort of sit down at the computer, having created characters, and try to get in touch with the cosmos. When I uh, write a book, I start out after I've done the characters, you know, created them, then I start out with a uh, a decision of who will be the point of view characters in this particular book. And then having made that decision, my next decision is, okay, so, uh, you know, where is this book going to begin? Um, at the beginning, before the beginning, or after the beginning? And then I begin to uh, to jot down potential scenes, n- noting that in a in a crime novel, and indeed probably most novels, that uh, the causa- that causality is really important to carry me forward. In other words, there's something that happens in the first scene that will cause another scene to happen. It might not be the next scene, but it will cause another scene to happen. Um, but that is the toughest part: is when I'm when I'm looking at my characters. As point of view characters, and then I'm saying to myself, "Okay, let's let's see if we can come up with the first ten scenes in this novel. You know, like what logically will follow this? What logically will follow that?" I write those uh, the, these on little slips of paper that I put on the floor and hmm, uh, cool. underneath the names of my point of view characters. So I decide, okay, from whose point of view is this now going to be seen? And then what I do is um, there I have basically columns of, of these little pieces of paper, be it 10. I try to do 10. I always do 10. I try to do 15 or 20, but sometimes I can't uh, in the step outline. And, and that's the toughest part because that's when I'm thinking about 
the the logical sequence events of events in a plot. And uh, for, for, for all of the things that I do in my process, that part is the most difficult. Yeah. So uh, are you finding ways? Because you know, I know a lot of t- others talk about kind of um, productive procrastination at the, that phase where you're kind of trying to synthesize everything into, you know, w- where you get to a place where you're like, oh, okay, this is how I'm going to proceed. Do you have, um, you know, are you utilizing any tricks in that respect? Do you have some hobbies that you kind of lean on to to kickstart your brain, take a walk or play the piano or something similar? Um, no, I really don't. I mean, I have certain things that I have to do anyway, but I wouldn't say that they are any any part of uh, of, of my creative process. I, um, I, I that's not to say that I, I that I don't have uh, moments where there's you know there's a big problem, but I heard something really wonderful from the writer T. Jefferson Parker, who's a who's a dear friend of mine, many years, and, and he was speaking at a conference, and he said when. He said, when your story stalls out on you, you've played your hand too soon. Hmm. And uh, that is uh, that is invariably what, what gets me into trouble is playing my hand too soon. And then to solve the problem, it involves really going back into the previous scenes to see what it was that I gave away too, too soon and remove that from, from the scene. Um, I do do other things, but they're just not related. You know, for example, I, uh, you know, have been studying Italian for about 10 years now. And I now take private lessons with a, an Italian woman from who, who was born and grew up in Pisa, Italy. So she's my Italian instructor. So I do that. And then also I have become completely addicted to the Great British Baking Show. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and that has uh, spurred me to start baking which was something that my mom did. Um, you know, she was great, a great cook and a great baker. And, uh, and I, I probably, because of that, I didn't ever bake anything. And, uh, so I started, um, this past year, uh, baking and I just completely enjoy it so much. I, I've sort of turned into a baking addict and then I give away all the stuff that I bake. So otherwise, you know, I'd end up weighing 500 pounds. So and my <laughs> husband is sort of has weaned himself off sweets. So he doesn't yeah. eat it. But my neighbors are quite happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, of course... We will link to the latest and your home base. Um, there was this ElizabethGeorgeOnline.com and the foundation as well. You are on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, before we wrap up with a, a fun question and uh, any advice you have for your fellow scribes, is there anywhere else you want to connect with uh, listeners out there? Because I, I know you've got some some other things happening. Well, you know, it, it's unfortunate that uh, that I, I I was going to teach a course in uh, a writing seminar in Tuscany in uh, in June, and that unfortunately has been has been canceled because of of COVID. But you know, I I just really encourage people to uh, you know to take a look at something to hide, and uh, if they've never read a book um, in this series of books. 
it's not necessary to have done so uh, in order to understand and understand this book. So I would definitely encourage people to do that. And I would super encourage people to register to vote. If you haven't registered, please, please register to vote and then actually do vote. I think there's a lot on the line right now. 100%. Voting rights are huge. And uh, of course, this is a pretty timely issue. Um, and, you know, it hasn't hasn't really changed over the years, but it has a little bit um, more recently. But yeah, thank you for that great reminder. Um, I will just uh, li- read this uh, New York Times book review called, talks about something to hide and said, Elizabeth George delivers another intelligent, intricate mystery starring Detective Inspector Thomas Lindley of New Scotland Yard. And of course, uh, Publishers Weekly called it superlative. Um, congrats on the latest. And uh, yeah, okay, a quick fun one. Uh, if you could have dinner with your favorite, uh, at your favorite restaurant in the world with any author from any era, uh, who would you take and where would you take them? Oh, okay. Well, And, and it could be anywhere? Where any, take them? Anywhere in the world and, and any author from any era. Oh, gosh, that's, that's pretty tough. <laughs> you know, but... But what came to my mind immediately uh, is is John Le Carre. Um, uh, you know, he he had the most amazing uh, the most amazing career that has demonstrated the not only the power of writing but the fact that um, you can grow as a writer. Uh, when you read his earliest books to his most recent uh, book before he died. Uh, when you read those, you can just see his first books were very simple, small town mm. in Germany, uh, a murder of quality, and even uh, the spy who came in from the cold, uh, all very pretty simple books. And he just went from strength to strength to strength to strength. And I admire that so much. I almost did get to meet him. Um, my editor once said, because we had the same publishing house, and uh, my editor, I said, oh, I would love to meet John Macare. And, mm. and she said, that will happen. But of course, it was not able able to be. Now, as to the restaurant, that's tough, you know, um, because I don't really know any uh, international uh, restaurants. Oh, except that in London there is this wonderful Indian res- restaurant that I, I usually go to with a um, an Anglo-Pakistani friend of mine. But I- I can't remember the name of it. I'm so sorry. Oh, Khans, K-H-A-N-S, Khans. Oh, okay. And it is, um, it is off of, off of, um, not Bayswater, but it's in a, it's in the Bayswater area, and we always walk over to it, and it's, uh, it's just fabulous. Well, but again, I would say that, you know, the important thing is that uh, you have to go with somebody who knows Indian food, and so she's really good at that, and I just tell her to order. <laughs> Very so it would nice. be me, John Le Carre, and I would have to uh, invite my friend Kay to do the ordering. Lovely, lovely. My mouth just watered. Um, <laughs> perfect. Well, uh, of course, I will actually link to Mastering the Process from Idea to Novel as well. You've got some great advice in there. Maybe kind of in a nutshell, just your advice to your fellow scribes on how to persevere maybe through through good times and bad. Well, you know... It, well, I, I could only quote uh, what P.D. James said to me when I um, was rejected for my second no- second novel, and I happened to go that night to a book signing of, and uh, asked her how, how long it was, how, how many books did she have to write to get published? And 
she of course got published, never got rejected in her entire career. But she recognized why I was asking the question. And she said, my dear, you have done something that most people only dream of doing. You have written a novel. You must never give up. And that's what I would say to all writers. That's the important part is don't give up and continue, continue to write and do not write the same book over and over thinking that if you do it long enough, it will improve. Uh, it might, but the better thing to do is to grow as a writer by, uh, by creating the next novel. I love it. Never give up. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for your time, your wisdom. We wish you the best of luck. Congratulations and come back and, and visit us again. Okay. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for joining us for this file. And if you're a fan of the show, simply head over to writerfiles.fm for more. That's writerfiles.fm. <laughs>